You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to the show today. Today's show is live, so you can reach out to us at 416-245-1534. And please do hit us up on our social media sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. If you'd like to email us, we are at thh at radiomaria.ca. And be sure to subscribe and download our podcasts simply entitled The Health Hub. You can get them on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast uh, disseminators. So it's, uh, it's a great thing. We've got, have had so, so many guests, including our guests today, so much information packed in these podcasts. So do, do go take a listen. So happy Memorial Day to our U.S. friends. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. And today is a beautiful day here in Toronto, another gorgeous day. And we are going to be talking to a guest, uh, Dr. Riza Hackick, that I have been greatly anticipating. Um, he's, he, just, he studies things that are just a passion of mine, which is uh, nutrition, of course, and gut health. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a wonderful conversation with him. But before we get to that, I would like to uh, bring your attention to a website that I refer to and refer out to people quite often. It's a U.S.-based website. It's called the Environmental Working Group, and it is an American environmental organization, and it specializes in research and advocacy in the areas of toxic chemicals, agricultural subsidies, public lands, and corporate accountability talks things about tap water, skincare products, household cleaners. Just It's just a, a wealth of information on this site. And one thing that is present in uh, all my conversations with clients is something that the Environmental Working Group produces, which is called the Clean 15 Dirty Dozen List. The Clean 15 Dirty Dozen List are two lists of foods that are best eaten organic. Those are the dirty dozen. And then clean 15 are foods that are the least sprayed, the least toxic for our system. So when we talk about reducing our inflammation, eating clean, we absolutely must take into consideration where our food comes from. And that not only includes plants, but it also does include meats. That's a different topic. But we need to know where our food is sourced, where it's grown. Several studies are out now about the added advantage nutrient-wise of eating organic foods. But it can be an expensive proposition, no doubt about it. I mean, there are ways to get around it, buying organic. You can, you know, go to, um, go to the sales buy things that are on sale that are organic, either freeze them or par cook them. There are ways to sort of lessen the burden of cost. But all in all, it is it is more expensive. But the overwhelming benefits of having organic food in your diet is, is you can't argue it. You really just can't. But what I want to do today is give you the clean 15 dirty dozen list. So I'll start with the clean 15. And these, as I said, are foods that you can buy uh, not worrying too much about the excess pesticides and chemicals on them. Again, this is a U.S.-based uh, advocacy group. However, it does translate quite closely. We, you know, here in Canada, we do import a lot of our foods. So take it with a grain of salt. But again, they do hold very close here in Canada for us, too. So top of the list is avocado uh, as far as things that you can not worry too much about if you're buying them non-organic. That's followed by sweet corn, pineapple, cabbages, onions, sweet peas, papayas, asparagus, 
mangoes, eggplant, honeydew, kiwi, cantaloupe, cauliflower, broccoli, potatoes, and sweet bell peppers. So not worrying about writing all that stuff down. I will put this website up on our face page, um, a Facebook page so that you can have it and refer to it. Now, the dirty dozen, these are things that, you know, if possible, you really do want to buy these things organically. They're heavily sprayed and very much um, a toxin on our system. They can increase our inflammation. And as we know, and as I'm sure we'll get into in our conversation today, decreasing inflammation is is very, very important for reducing chronic um, disease. So here is the list and topping the list of things that we should be buying organic are strawberries. And that is followed by spinach, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, and celery. And I also like to mention that um, one crop that is heavily sprayed that surprises many people are the coffee crops. So coffee beans are very heavily sprayed. And although they're not making this list of the dirty dozen do bear in mind that it is one of the heaviest sprayed um, crops out there. So if you can buy organic coffee, do try to do so. So on to today's show. Well, actually, before that, I will give you the website. It's just ewg.org. So if you want to run and take a look at that, as I said, a wealth of information, chemicals to avoid in your household, on your body, and so forth. So on to today's show. Our guest today is Dr. Reza Hackett. He's a Ph.D., Dr. Hackett is a professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in the Department of Dietetics and Nutrition, Department of Pediatrics, and College of Public Health. He is chairman of the Department of Dietetics and Nutrition. His current research interests are influence of diet and nutrition on cancer prevention, obesity, and breast cancer links, nutrition education, and interactions of food and drug metabolism. So you can see why I'm excited to talk to him today. We will be talking about the links between obesity and chronic disease, the role of the microbiome and the development of disease, and how to promote a healthy microbiome, along with many, many other interesting topics. So please do stay tuned. After our break, we will be back with Dr. Reza Hackick.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Our show is live today. You can contact us at 416-245-1534. If you have any questions that you'd like us to propose to Dr. Hackett, well, you can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. And no further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Hackett. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, and I'm glad that, uh, to be a part of your show. You were late, greatly, especially me, really looking forward to the information that, you are, that you're going to talk about. Now, what brought you to the field of dietetics and nutrition, cancer? Why did that pique your interest? Well, um, as, uh, as a small kid, I was very interested in the field of the nutrition, and uh, all the time I was fascinated with the role of the diet in the uh, playing in the promoting or preventing diseases. But specifically on the base of the cancer, I have lost three of my loved ones around 25 years ago due to the cancer. So I just wanted to know if, as a nutritionist, what I can do to prevent um, a certain type of cancer. So I became very advocate of the role of the diet in prevention of cancer. So where has that led you in your studies? Well, it goes back that earlier my research was on effect of the alcohol consumption on the a certain kind of the drug metabolism and also on the certain type of the enzymes, which is uh, the heavy alcoholic that you have it in, the, in the liver and specifically in the colon. I came across of one enzyme which was promoted by alcohol consumption. At the same time, the same enzyme was responsible for colon cancer. So I thought probably there is a link between alcohol and colon cancer, and I was on top of this enzyme, which uh, made a huge news. And then uh, over the breast cancer, I became very interested because one out of eight women in the United States, uh, they are uh, diagnosed with the breast cancer. And uh, the, um, the prevention is a lot easier than treatment. So I became advocate of um, colon cancer and breast cancer because I do believe these two types of cancer, uh, they can be prevented uh, heavily by lifestyle changes and specifically the diet. I'm not sure if you know, but I am a breast cancer survivor. I have friends. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have friends who have had breast cancer. And um, I thought I was healthy. I thought that I ate fairly well, but um, through through my treatment and everything, I really, I noticed I had help. I was fortunate enough to have uh, people that helped me with diet and really honed in and tweaked. Mm-hmm. I was never really a junk food eater. I was always active, but just the tweaking of what they did with no my doubt. nutrition and um, through the process, I'm not, I don't know if people know, but through the process, before you go for your treatments, each time you have to get your blood work done right. to, to see um, if you are able to withstand the upcoming treatment. And my blood work was always outstanding. In fact, I had one nurse tell me that my blood work was better than hers. So mm-hmm. I know personally um, how tweaking a diet can definitely help. Since then, I've become um, a nutritionist as well. So that's why I'm so fascinated that uh, someone um, with your credentials is taking on such uh, a passionate role with nutrition. Well, I appreciate it. If I can save one life, I think I have done my duty as a human. And uh, that's why I do all kind of the uh, TV and radio shows and uh, giving a lot of seminars around the U.S. and also around the world just about the passion of uh, effective nutrition on the chronic disease uh, prevention. So you're extending it out beyond um, beyond breast cancer, beyond colon yes, cancer. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I do. It's uh, uh, again, this breast cancer is a lot easier to approach it from the point of the prevention and diagnosis than the other cancer. The other cancer is colon cancer, which we know probably 70 to 80 percent of the colon cancer can be prevented by just changing your diet and your lifestyle, increasing physical activity. 
When you talk to the colon cancer patient, they, you see that you know either they are overweight or obese, or they are on the junk food all the time, or some others, uh, you know, um, diet. Um, uh, modification that they have it. So as a result, we know cancer is not going to be, um, you know, coming overnight is going to take years. So accumulating all of these that um, uh, factors that can promote cancer. There's so many different ways I would like to talk to you about diet and the fad diets and the this and the that, but mm-hmm. I, one of, of your, your more famous, I guess, studies really focuses on obesity and, right. and obesity and it's linked to chronic disease, um, right. obesity and the microbiome. Right. Well, um, my, I've done research for more than 30 years. For uh, probably the first 15 years, I was doing a basic science research and looking at the effect of the diet on several diseases, including cancer. But I found out that our population, they are not as skinny as it was 30 years ago. So I pay attention to uh, obesity. We know obesity is a huge problem around the world. In the U.S., 67% of our population, they are either overweight or obese. And I just checked the, checked the Canadian, are uh, not far away, 54%, mm-hmm. which this rate is going up. So we know what the cause of obesity or overweight is, just lack of physical activity and also uh, junk food. I mean, if uh, in Toronto that you can look at it, uh, the fast food restaurants, they are all over. Uh, they are beside of each other. So, and they're becoming really cheap just because in my mind, uh, um, cheap food is either high fat or high sugar. So, but one of the main thing I just find that out that, you know, for past few years is uh, changing of the gut bacteria. I do believe that the gut bacteria, they are ordering our immune system. So the gut bacteria, they are almost 70% of the immune response is dependent on the activity of gut bacteria. So whatever we eat is affecting the gut bacteria. As a result, obesity is another one, which is changing the, uh, the good bacteria to the bad bacteria or on a healthy bacteria population goes up. So when on a healthy bacteria population goes up, that is can promote the chronic diseases such as liver disease, uh, cancers, and inflammation, and a whole host of other diseases that it can be really um, affecting them for a long time. Has the has the rise in have you seen a direct link between the rise in obesity and the rise in chronic disease? Is there a direct link to that? Yes. Yes, actually, most of my public uh, publication is on the base of that. I have an animal model, which is um, they, um, they are leptin receptor deficient, and they become obese at the very early stages. Is mimicking exactly obese human, and um, there is a, there is a tons of literature from uh, laboratory animals and also in the humans that shows that there is a uh, link between obesity and chronic diseases uh, development. Mainly a lot now these days uh, paying attention to gut bacteria. Can you tell us about your study of the gut microbiota population in lean and obese rats? That's fascinating. Well, it is. I mean, that's... um, uh, the first thing I wanted to make sure that there is a link between uh, obesity and, uh, for example, breast cancer. Uh, and one thing that I found out that um, these obese rats, they have different gut bacteria than the lean rat they have, is exactly the same as in human. Lately, there are several reports that showing that when they transplant in the human, the gut bacteria from obese human to the lean human, they become obese. And the same thing from lean to obese human, they become lean. So that clearly is showing that the gut gut bacteria is playing a major role in ordering diseases in my mind. 
So, and unfortunately, whatever we are eating, if it's really a junk food that you are increasing the population of unhealthy bacteria in your gut, and you get those diseases a lot sooner than a, a lean person. The, the connection, back to obesity, the connection between obesity and the microbiome, mm-hmm. is that an inflammatory connection, or is it the microbiome creating inflammation because of dysbiosis? Okay, dysbiosis is uh, is really that is a uh, major uh, problem with the obesity, and as a result, the gut microbiota then become unhealthy, that increasing the inflammation, and uh, so I think that's that's the major problem that we have it because um, because changing the immune system. And if you look at it, the obese uh, humans, they have different immune system than the lean person has. So can, just trying to bring this full circle, um, bad back bacteria can propensitate, propensiate, propensiate inflammation, and then inflammation can create more of an environment for bad bacteria. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, that's... uh, the IBS, for example, inflammatory bowel disease is one of them. Irritable um, bowel disease syndrome is another one. Actually, that, you know, um, diarrhea or allergy or cancer or liver disease, there are a bunch of diseases there are these days, uh, um, you know, being related to the gut, unhealthy gut bacteria. Uh, we shouldn't forget that there are other factors that we have no control over, such as aging, for example. And uh, aging, as we are aging, that we have uh, less healthy gut bacteria. So aging itself is, it can be um, a problem. Why is that? Well, it's uh, because our immune system goes down. So imagine if you are around 70 years old and you have unhealthy diet. Uh, you know, the aging itself is affecting the gut bacteria and unhealthy diet. It can be uh, a lot more problems. And besides with um, a lot of aging population, most of them, they are on drugs, some kind of medication either anti-inflammatory or uh, anti-cardiovascular disease or diabetic and everything else. So these uh, affecting the gut bacteria. For example, metformin that a lot of uh, people they are, or diabetic they are taking it is effective just because the metformin is changing the gut bacteria and making it a lot healthier. It's, that's fascinating because I read an article recently that um, they're starting to promote metformin in s- some types of cancer. Yes, it's, uh, I do believe in my future project that it can be a role for it, and especially with the breast cancer. So metformin, um, maybe you could explain what that medication does in the diabetic circle where it's most commonly used. Yes, there are some data suggesting that um, that the patient, uh, diabetic patient, that they are on metformin, they are protected against the colon cancer and breast cancer. And what is the link between the diabetes and colon cancer? Uh, That, again, goes back to the gut bacteria. You know, the high blood sugar and uh, in the circulation all the time is changing the gut bacteria. And the gut bacteria, they become unhealthy. And so by taking the metformin is uh, changing the gut bacteria to make more healthier state. So as a result that, uh, you know, it can be protecting against of the colon cancer and breast cancer and some other type of cancer. I mean, another factor that we have not talked about it is the stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody in the world, they have some type of a stress. And the stress itself is affecting the gut bacteria. So many ways that we can enter this circle, both um, on the disruptive phase, but then, you know, you're painting a picture of where we can also, uh, you know, come in and try and propagate a good uh, environment. So after our break, I would like to come back to that point and talk a little bit more specifically about diet and stress and, and lifestyle and how to create 
a better microbiome. Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we all step across that line But nothing sweeter than the day we find We find it's hanging over him like the clouds of Seattle It raining on his swag, falling deeper in the saddle It's written on his face, he don't have to speak a sound Somebody call the five, oh, we got a man down Now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But guilt does a job on each and every man's soul And when your head hits the pillow at the nightfall You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, y'all Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line but nothing sweeter than the day we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we all stumble and we fall Bridges burn in the heat of it all But nothing sweeter than the day Sweeter than the day we call Out for forgiveness We all need, we all need We all need forgiveness We all need, we all need Mr. Lecrae, uh Mama told me what I would be in for If I kept all the anger inside of me pent up My heart been broken, my wounds been open And I don't know if I can hear I'm sorry being spoken But those forgiven much should be quicker to give it And God forgave me for it all, Jesus bled forgiveness So when the stones fly and they aim at you Just say forgive them, Father, they know not what they do now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But kill does a job on each and every man's soul And when your head is the pillow at the nightfall You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, yo. Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line But nothing's sweeter than the day we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we all stumble and we fall Bridges burn in the heat of it all But nothing's sweeter than the Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We have a fascinating conversation here with Dr. Hackett. And Dr. Hackett, I've got two questions yep. that have popped up, so maybe we can address them before we dive into um, some of the rest of the interview. Sure. Uh, Ken, one of the questions that uh, has been tweeted to us is, can you reverse things by losing weight? I guess, can you reverse yep, the microbiome? You yes, you can. I mean, anytime you lose weight, uh, the, the gut bacteria is playing a major role. As a result, unhealthy gut bacteria population goes down and healthier comes up. So that's the, that's the fascinating part of it. There is a, even regular exercise for obese people that they are losing weight. It has shown that the gut bacteria will change from unhealthy to healthier. Apart from diet, strictly well, losing apart weight. Apart from the diet, right, apart from diet. So how is the gut microbiome then... Uh, Basically, I, I'm assuming that it's, it's what it's feeding off of. So what is it feeding off of in an obese or overweight person? 
Well, we shouldn't forget the obese people. I mean, that's uh, what their diet is, uh, highly saturated fat. And, uh, you know, fried food is uh, almost uh, part of their routine everyday diet. And we know the fried food is changing and the gut bacteria towards more unhealthy um, um, bacteria to healthy. That ratio of unhealthy to healthy is very high in obese people, while in the lean people is the other way. There are more uh, the ratio of the healthier uh, gut bacteria to unhealthy is much higher. So uh, just just a point here before I get into the second question then. You know, often um, with cancer patients, you know, I often suggest uh, right. less calories in their diet because mm-hmm. we would prefer a cancer patient to be lean as opposed to overweight. Right. And that sort of doesn't sit right with some people. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's, the, again, different type of cancer, different type of therapy, different type of tumors. We have to pay attention to that part of it. But there are, uh, to my knowledge, there are some drug companies right now, they are targeting gut bacteria as a treatment for the cancer patient. In tandem so with actually, their therapies? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Actually, they are looking at the uh, medication, which is changed, targeting the gut bacteria. Not probiotics, so think, though? Uh, no. No, and that's to me, is very fascinating right now. Are there any medications on the market, or these are just being... Uh, They've been tested. I mean, that's, you know, that it takes a while probably to come to the market. But in the cancer uh, meeting, there are a lot they are talking about the, uh, targeting the gut bacteria as a therapy. How would you do that with medication if it's not um, something that's feeding, properly feeding the microbiome? Well, I mean, there there are some, I mean, what we know that the gut bacteria is really the responsible for immune system. So if you can change the population of the gut bacteria in the the cancer patient, they are going to be, their immune response would be totally different. So I think that's one way of looking at it. Again, the inflammation would be another one. I know with melanoma, there have been studies uh, directly right. linking um, gut, bacteria. gut bacteria to right. a response to treatment. Um, it right. is a fascinating area. But, uh, okay, though the question that's come up, and we might as well just, just ask this right away then, what are the diet suggestions, in your opinion, to heavily weigh in on creating a good microbiome? For the... Uh, obese person, I mean, that should be probably low-calorie, high vegetable. That's exactly what it does. High vegetable, low fat. And uh, probably um, the dairy product would be a great one because that one is changing the gut bacteria. Dairy? Dairy. You're flying in the face of a lot of of stuff that's coming out uh, that's really propagating the the, the argument against dairy. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, we are talking about uh, the obese person, not the disease-related person. Okay. Again, we are are looking at, for example, low-fat yogurt. If um, they are um, uh, full of the uh, good microbiota, I mean, that's that's we are replacing. The other thing I would like really to talk about it is about the antibiotics. Okay. There is a lot of people that are on antibiotics. So imagine that if you are on antibiotics and you are on the high-fat diet, what is going to happen to gut bacteria? It's going to be, it's just, they are going to be very least efficient and as a result, that are promoting the diseases. One worry I have it is just for the kids. Just imagine the kids that they go through a lot of antibiotics during the ear infection, all kind of stuff, when they are very young. Uh, as a result, and uh, you know, their gut bacteria is almost wiped out. And then they go on the high-fat diet, you know, that junk food. And they never replace the good bacteria with it. In the so, States, are you starting to promote probiotics with antibiotics? Well, 
the, my question is that there is a differences between uh, probiotic and uh, antibiotic, which I just wanted to talk about it at the end. But uh, since you brought it up, that um, here is that uh, probiotic versus uh, prebiotic, what I call it. Probiotic, they are live organism. Prebiotics, they are f- they are in the food and they are uh, having li- live organism. And the probiotic, they die in the uh, due to the temperature in the human body. So they are used up in the, uh, for example, in the stomach and the small intestine. Uh, prebiotic, which is uh, probably would be a better choice, would be that uh, they are not affected by temperature or acidic of the uh, stomach, and they reach really to the gut, uh, you know, to the colon. So these are the differences between probiotic and prebiotic. Prebiotic is all the time is available from the food, you know, that's, uh, you know, the, for example, onion and, uh, and also garlic and, uh, you know, certain kind of the vegetables. And, yeah. of course, probiotic, you can find it in the uh, yogurt and, uh, you know, uh, pickles and uh, pickling food. Now, can we extend the, the talk about prebiotics to fiber? And is all fiber, you know, the people who listen to the show regularly know that fiber is what feeds our microbiome. But no doubt. Is, no doubt. Is it all fiber? No, no, it's, uh, it's uh, fiber plus other things. What we know, there are certain kind of compound in different type of vegetable, which itself it can be uh, protecting against of the cancer. For example, you know, you mentioned the blueberry, the strawberry. They are a compound polyphenols. As you know, they are very good for uh, preventing all kinds of diseases, including cancer. And then fiber, it does different things. Fiber is incru- increasing the short-chain fatty acid, especially the propionic acid and butyric acid. There are some data of, uh, that showing the butyric acid when you are increasing it by uh, eating uh, high-fiber food that is protecting against of the colon cancer. Although I believe that population of um, that they have certain kinds of diseases, they are very low in fiber. I have not seen any person who say, I took my 30 gram of fiber today. So especially that if you are on the junk food, if you are eating a cheeseburger or pizza every day, you are not going to get fiber. And the fiber you are getting it from the food is totally different than the fiber you are getting it from a dietary supplement. And why is that? The fiber you are getting it from a certain kind of the vegetable, for example, that it has another thousand compounds included in the vegetable, which they are really good for you. Then versus the fiber you are getting it from the dietary supplement is just an extract. Mm-hmm. So they do totally different things. But, I mean, it's a, it's a wide open research these days that I think that uh, m- making a big differences between those. And, uh, but the bottom line, I think it's if we increase the fiber from the food and, you know, and become much healthier you know, by changing the gut bacteria, Whatever you can do to change the gut bacteria to become healthier, you become healthier. What are the rules of uh, the rule that you know of of the polyphenols? Because fiber, um, I mean, that's that's a mainstay we know is good for the microbiome. But the the role of polyphenols is more they new. They are anti-inflammatory. Yeah, that they really that uh, they are boosting the immune system and they reducing all kind of the inflammation. Is there a role for meat in the diet, in your estimation? Uh, it depends what type of meat we are talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are talking about the fish versus red meat, uh, I really do not recommend the red meat. Just simply because uh, the red meat itself is changing the gut bacteria. Mm-hmm. 
the high red meat diet, uh, changing the gut bacteria. And uh, uh, there is a link between the gut bacteria and cardiovascular disease by red meat. Okay. Now, and of course, everybody is uh, eating the red meat, either our fry or um, the, our barbecue, which itself that has been shown by uh, at least some researcher that um, the barbecue at the high level, it can promote colon cancer. Now, I, I don't want to get into the topic too heavily, but uh, we are circling around the fat conversation. And what is your research showing you about uh, how much fat is should or should not be in the diet? And do you is your research showing well, more of a Mediterranean style or a leaning? Yes, it does. If you look at the Mediterranean diet, they are talking about eating a lot of vegetable and, uh, and fruit and a lot less red meat, and also including the fish in your diet. Okay. And uh, so that's what it is. And beside of that, it goes back with the red wine, and I have a question about that too, because, uh, you know, the red wine, it has the polyphenol too, and itself it can be beneficial. Of course, it depends on the uh, human you know, male or female. We do recommend it not to drink alcohol, but if you drink alcohol, make sure uh, uh, two drinks for men and one, only one drink for uh, women. A day? A day. Okay. Right. All right. Um, now, there are two things that I want to, to tackle here before the end of the show. One is the diversity of the microbiome. Is that important and can we increase that? Yes. Um, we shouldn't forget that in colon or gut microbiota, which is most of the uh, gut bacteria there in the colon, we have 10, 100 trillion gut bacteria. 100 trillion gut bacteria. And our human body, it's 10 times less than that in the cells. So the, the gut bacteria, they have almost 10 times more, uh, you know, uh, bacteria than, um, than the cell in the human body. And also, they, we have a lot more genes in gut bacteria than in the human body. So that's why, uh, and, and when you have 100 trillion gut bacteria, it's very difficult to uh, categorize which one what it does. But we know there are a group of bacteria that they can help out. And uh, so uh, these are the kind of the, uh, you know, uh, diet probably uh, driven gut bacteria. So, but, okay, so from my understanding, you're by the age of two, you've sort of got your fingerprint. Now, right. can you change that there's there's one and you're going to have to and i brought this up before there's one type of of bacteria acromancies acromancia yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah. is supposedly notable for the prevention of certain types of cancer at least it's it supports an anti-cancer environment right um and in it's a small amount in many people can you promote that can you get that into your diet or is it you've got it or you don't well, um, I, I do not know about that part, okay. but all I know is, you know, uh, Fremicutes and Bacteriotes are the more, uh, they're, they're really the main genes in the humans. And, uh, uh, of course, that, you know, the Fremicutes, they have um, more than 250 different genes which is including lactobacillus and mycoplasma, bacillus and clostridium. So these are the kind of the genes that um, heavily research has been done that. I have seen that uh, um, the gene that you are talking about it is just started to look into it. I mean, that's, uh, that's the type of research I'm very interested in, and uh, hopefully by next year I have more data about it. Interesting. Now, you touched on the role of stress uh, yeah. as, it, as its impact on the microbiome. How right. does that, what's that link? Well, again, it goes back to the uh, immune response. And uh, 
here what we know that a healthy body has a healthy CNS function. And as a healthy, you know, uh, CNS, then we have a normal gut bacteria, which it means that uh, we have a really normal inflammatory cells and uh, also normal uh, gut microbiota. In the case of the stress, that is changing. And uh, any kind of change in the behavior and also emotion and a whole host of things that the gut bacteria will change by increasing the level of the inflammatory cells and also the, uh, the dysbiosis of the, of the gut bacteria. So it goes back again to the um, um, inflammation. It's from the head down, isn't it? Really, I mean, no doubt. We call it. The, we call it. Uh, uh, you know, um, I, it is really funny. Sometimes I give a talk. I say, yeah, "Have you listened to your gut lately?" Uh-huh. That's that's what it is. Is really when you say, "I have a gut feeling," what is happening? That's that's probably true. I bet it because is because there is a connection between gut and brain. So where, where do you think that your research is going to take you from here? My hope is that uh, I can really, from the point of the whatever, by the way, I do in the lab, I love to talk to the people about it. And again, um, for them to be aware of it, and also hopefully they change their habit of their lifestyle, whatever it is, to a healthier one. Because the cost of the healthcare system in the U.S. is going way up, and I know in Canada is not easy either. So if you have a healthier lifestyle, uh, probably by helping yourself, you can contribute to your community too. My research would be that uh, really interesting. It's uh, I want to know certain kind of the uh, diet that it can be preventing diseases in the uh, uh, lean person, but that the same person when it comes to obese, it can promote diseases. Are you specifically looking at different types of foods, like specific foods? So berries and apples and... Not that one, but there are some other type of food that I have some data that I have not published yet that it can change... uh, the obesity can change it from uh, preventing to promoting cancer. Do you find you're unique in your area, a scientist who's promoting lifestyle, de-stress, diet? It is. It is. It is. I mean, just we shouldn't forget, as soon as we are born, we are looking for nipples to eat, right? Mm-hmm. What I do believe that during that transition, that you are setting your life, uh, how long you are going to, you know, prevent or promoting diseases. That's why it's very important for the pregnant uh, mom that, you know, that uh, how they have to really pay attention to their diet because it's affecting the infants too. It's so important to get the word out about, uh, you know, before women get pregnant, about educating the importance of this. No doubt, no doubt, because the gut bacteria from... Uh, you know, from mom, it can be t- transferred to really uh, to the uh, to the infants. We know some data; they are out there. They are talking about the obese mom during pregnancy. They their kids they have different gut bacteria, and that's why there's uh, the chance of the um, obese infant they become obese kids later on because there are some link to the uh, to the uh, to the moms. But as you said, things are repairable. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Any, any moment in my mind that you can change, uh, it will save you a life. Awesome. Now, where can people research or see your research? Is there a site that you have that people can go well, to? Well, I mean, they can Google me and uh, everything is on Google right now. I okay. mean, if they want it more scientifically, I think most of the paper they are in the PubMed, which is, uh, you know, U.S. Library yeah. uh, of Congress. And, uh, but the Google, it, uh, they show a lot of my 
um, my papers too. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for oh, joining us today. My pleasure. It's, Hopefully it's, we can do the same thing again. Oh, I, you know what? I, I'm sure we can. I'll <laughs> set it up as soon as we get off the It's just a fascinating topic for me, as you know. Okay, thank you very much. So everybody, thank you for joining us today, and we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi here on Radio Maria Canada.